All right, it's the Chance to Give Me podcast, episode 98, which was a pretty decent year. And with me always is Roy and Shannon, who will now awkwardly introduce themselves as they don't know who will speak first. Hey there, boys. How are you guys doing? Well, I'm okay, and this is Shannon introducing himself. Oh, yeah, and I'm I'm the other guy. <laughs> Wait, who's drying their clothes? That's all that matters. Oh, my wife. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I do. Uh, look, you know, uh, the thing, is, like I've worked in public broadcasting and stuff like that, and like the argument with the stuff is always like quality, you know, and I see people with like uh, on following podcasts or, you know, whatever. And they're like, oh, I couldn't listen to it because the, the audio quality, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, look, dude, it's it's always got to be content. And that's the way it is for here. It's like, look, you got, yeah. You're either here for the content or you're not. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you know, with this, it's like we're going to talk about this episode, uh, Star Trek Adventures, the RPG. And uh, I try to actually cut that part out that is focused and talking about it and uploading it on Anchor. And uh, otherwise, yeah, listen to this version where we just talk about what we're watching, what the weather's like, a lot of other stuff. So anyway. Uh, Siege of Vicksburg is my convention in October, and it is moved to the city of Ridgeland to attract more clientele. And uh, yeah, moving pretty good with that. Uh, got sponsors that have stepped up, vendors, and uh, yeah, so be linked to the show notes. Also, there's a Patreon where I post unboxings and stuff like that. Uh, and an indeterminate amount of time before I make them live for regular people. So, like this week, I know I looked at Black Powder, Red Earth, 28 millimeter, and uh, yeah, so there you go. So, uh, in TV movie news, uh, what have you guys been watching? What am I watching? I'm watching the new season of Ted Lasso. I'm so we're about, uh, I think, four or five episodes in. Um, I enjoy it. It's always an uplifting sort of thing. And I also see that on Apple TV is uh, the next season of Schmigadoon, which is going to be called Schmicago. Um, <laughs> what I'm the hell is that? that. I, have, I have not seen it. You haven't heard of Schmigadoon? Negative, sir. Oh. Okay. Uh, what about you, Shannon? I have. I have. I haven't tracked it down, but it sounds okay. fantastic. Yes. So it's, uh, was it, uh, uh, Key and Peele. So Jordan, no, Keegan-Michael Key, right? Is that the right name? Yeah, and I think it's Jordan Peele. Yes. Okay. So Keegan-Michael Key, uh, plays the, uh, the, the boyfriend and, uh, oh shoot. I cannot think of the, of the female lead. Uh, she was on SNL, but it's, that does uh, it not narrow it down. No. Uh, no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Shannon, you yeah. and I can name females that you know of that have been on Saturday Night Live. Gilda Radner. Yeah, ah, damn it. That's what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> Lorraine I know, Gil- I know okay. Gilda Radner, uh, Molly Shannon. Um, Nora Dunn. Victoria Jackson. Vic- oh, God, Victoria Jackson. Oh, it's She bad. turned into a, nut, a yep, nutcase. Yeah, what a fucking nutcase she turned into. Um yeah, Kennedy. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know that no, one. Okay, I, I have Don't the first name her. here. I think I know the whole name. Is it Cicely? Cecily? Cecily. Cecily Strong. That sounds good. 
Doug. Okay. Don't know that person. All right. Well, so that's okay. Uh, We're they old. Are, they are a, uh, a boyfriend girlfriend couple that are they're kind of on the rocks. They're kind of questioning their relationship, and they go hiking. They're they're they go to uh, I don't know. I think it's to a, I'm talking about the first season here. They, it's, I think it's to a bed and breakfast maybe, um, and they go for a hike. And they kind of wander into the mist and they find this bridge. They're lost. And they, so they go over the bridge and they're in Brigadoon or in this case, Schmigadoon. So they've they've stumbled their way into a uh, into a, uh, a musical, essentially. So every episode, there's musical numbers uh, and they're kind of so they're from the real world. But they've stumbled into this fairy tale land where, you know, there's the. Uh, uh the uh the Sadie Hawkins dance and you know all this kind of all these tropes from from uh mid-century musicals so that's Schmigadoon so that was uh that was the first season so this next season which I have not seen any of yet which I think there's two episodes and a third one coming out um called Schmicago which is going to be of course a, a spoof on Chicago nice I'm look. When will will I live to see the smocky horror smixture smoke? <laughs> how would you yeah, parody so that's on, that? That's on Apple TV. That is very true. I don't know how you'd parody parody of a parody. I don't know how that works. <laughs> and uh, what else am I watching? I guess that's about it. Well, well l- let me ask you guys: Have you seen the new D and D movie? I have not. It's on my plate. I, uh, I, used to I think work I want to go and see it with my group. I used to work in movie theaters, and it takes a lot to get me to go back into one. Uh, I'm the same way. I am. Um, but, yeah, I was I was really interested for this one. And uh, and uh, my group more or less went to see it. We went in two separate groups, but we still saw it. But, uh, yeah, look, the easiest way I've ever heard it described is, like, well, it's like they did a Dungeons and Dragons Marvel movie. Yes, and so I've heard that too. That's an incredibly like the Avengers. Yeah, that's an incredibly accurate, you know, response. Look, spoiler alert, I was saddened when they killed Lord British, but you know, then I realized that was another RPG, so never mind. <laughs> it's a little Ultima Online joke there, kids. Um <laughs> ask your parents about it. Uh so your look, parents it, you mean your great grandparents? Yeah. Uh, look, it's it's and again, it's exactly like a Mar- Marvel movie in the sense that it is well acted. You know, you know the people there. They're they're not phoning it in. They're doing a good job. The effects are good, and mm-hmm. it's got those you know uh, witty lines. It's got those you know the the downbeat like oh no, how are we going to overcome this? And you know the the eventual triumph of good. So, I mean, yeah, if you like Marvel movies, by all means, go see it. You know, it's I thought it was really fun. You know, and young kids, eh, I'm not so sure. You know, you know that as a parent better as to whether or not your kid can tolerate some scary stuff. But I mean, other than that, yeah, take your family to see it. I mean, they're going to love it, even if your your kids and or significant other don't even know what role playing is. They're going to like it. I I really think. But, you know, that's my two cents. So there you go. So the main antagonist here is the Red Wizards of Thay. 
Oh, is shit. That what I, is yes. that what I understood? Now, okay. that's a good point. As, like, I'm not really into, like, modern D&D, per se, and I'm not uh-huh. really that much into D&D, just period. I like the idea of the old-school OSR stuff, and I kind of grabbed it, and I went on into Dungeon Crawl Classics and some other shit. So, um, uh-huh. I didn't know what the Red Wizards were. I, you know, uh, I didn't know, like, that was, like, a thing. Or, you know, whatever. Uh, okay, they mentioned Baldur's Gate and a couple of other things that I know from, like, video games. So mm-hmm. so yeah. that places it in the Forgotten Realms yes, sorry. Uh, story yes. setting. So uh, 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 do you know anything about the Red Wizards? Like, why they're bad? Uh, no, the big bad really. Was, no. Yeah, there was, like, some necromancy going on, which, I mean, look, everywhere you go... No matter what game it is, Necromancy's bad, right? So um, I think so. More or less, ninety-eight percent of the time, Necromancy certainly, is bad. Certainly makes people uncomfortable. Yes. It's well, like I'm going to speak to that a little bit later. Wait a minute. Let's <laughs> <laughs> let's look forward to that. Look, it, it's right. hard to raise a family, but it's easy. Not if you're a necromancer. If you're a necromancer, you know. So yeah. <laughs> But um, uh, Mandalorian continues to be really good. Uh, Picard is some of the best Star Trek I've ever seen, and that's saying a lot. Seeing how decent the first season was and utter garbage the second season was, so uh, season three it's fantastic. It really, really if you if you ever considered the next generation fondly you owe it to yourself to watch Picard and sorry to suffer through two seasons before you get to the really fucking good season. You owe it. You should do it. So really you've got to, yes. you got to have that two season. I mean, honestly, now that I think about it, eh, no, technically you could just watch season three if you wanted to, uh, because, and this is a lot of people's complaints. They did some really big set pieces for season one and season two. And then we're like, eh, eh, whatever. They matter. They don't matter. We're not going back to that. We're not solving that. I'm sorry you thought it was a cliffhanger. It wasn't. So, you know, uh, I mean, look, it, they gave me Star Trek blue balls. I Because uh, they really... <laughs> Which is a really brand new <laughs> sentence. Uh, you know, I love that subreddit. It's time so for a t-shirt. It's uh, like one of, <laughs> one of the things they do, one of the, the uh, areas that they introduce is there is a board cube that is like on the border of Romulan and uh, Federation space that like appeared, some shit happened, and it died. So it's like this whole... Uh, research colony now where right. they actually people go that people work there trying to figure out about the Borg and how to rescue the people that are that are bored you know was, all this stuff it's that was so, a first season thing right yeah yeah it's like first okay. season so fucking cool it's really good idea I'm desperate to know all about it and they're like ah fuck that we'll, we'll never mention that again and I it's think like it's the like, Dyson sphere in the next generation yeah 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 it's like one ah, episode and done yep done so 
that happens with a couple of things, that being the big thing, and yeah, and it's just not that great. Uh, but yeah, season three is fucking fantastic. You should see it, and uh, yeah. Okay. So you guys watching anything else? Have y'all caught up with Lower Decks? Cause I am working my way through the current or most recent season. I'm not sure. Uh, that's how far behind I am. I don't even know if it's a current season anymore. All right. I am curious, Shannon. Who is your favorite character? Who is my favorite character? <clears throat> um, probably that cat. Oh, the doctor? The doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. When, when, when she initially came out, I thought she was a throwback to the... Um, yes. Yeah, uh, I did which too. I, she is, I did so. but I she's not it. what I thought she was. I thought she was... Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Larry Niven's man. Yeah. Okay. Well, he did a couple of episodes of the Star Trek animated series, and the Zen are in... Uh, which are anthropomorphic cat people. Uh, basically, they're the fucking antagonists from the Wing Commander series. He, they just totally stole that from Larry Niven. Um, <laughs> and which, okay, again, I'm just a real ignorant podcast host. If it ends up that Larry Niven actually wrote the Wing Commander series, my apologies. I didn't know that. So, Wait a minute. I, they appear. I'm an ignorant the, podcast host. Yeah, what you got? Oh, no, just, I think we're I think we're vying for least. Yes. Knowledge OK, we're all. Yes. The, you should not <laughs> listen to this podcast to be other than entertained. We are not I, yeah. a, a. Are you, you not know. entertained? Yes. Well, kind of. Look, kids, because I'm having a great time. Look, kids, um, <laughs> um, there's this concept in English and literature called the unreliable narrator. Oh, yeah. That's us. So anyway, <laughs> I, thought she, I thought she was a Star Trek uh, Zen yeah, thing, but no, she's another race that also appeared in the um, animated series. She's voiced by that nice lady from Glee and a bunch of stuff. Damn it, I can't think of her name. <laughs> she's incredibly oh, the, entertaining. Oh my goodness, the, yeah, the uh, gay one. Yes, uh, she's, she's a comedian. Uh, she's oh, an shit. older lady, short hair. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, somebody screaming at their podcast now. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. she's voiced by them, and she's just hysterical. But yeah, she's great. My personal favorite, I love Tindy, the uh, the Orion cadet. Mm -hmm. You know, where people are like kind of racist or whatever to her, and th through the whole thing, oh, it's an Orion. You know, don't right. I got to watch my wallet or whatever. And I just yeah. uh, I just saw the one where she gets to shine for a few minutes uh, during a crisis on a on a ship that's on its way to the place they don't want to go. Mm. My favorite thing with her is how happy and earnest she is. She is absolutely happy to be here yep. and do whatever it is you need her to do. And I, that's what I love about her. So anyway. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a show that's so much better than I thought it was going to be. Um, that, uh, even if it wasn't as good as it is, I would still like it, but mm -hmm. it is as good as it is. And I like it a lot. Uh, yeah, and like, yeah, I just I can't believe how mad people got about it, because I love the that they actually reference questionable like Star Trek episodes yeah. like, oh, hey, and this this happened. What was that about? <laughs> you know, because yeah. I think they, they actually mentioned two Vicks by name and yeah, some other stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so Janeway Salamander, I think, got mentioned. Y'all 
went silent on that one, huh? Oh, oh no, it Sorry. did. And yeah, <laughs> Oof. look, I like oh. Voyager, and I, it makes me angry that I only like it when Seven of Nine shows up. You know, I'm like, all right, it's not because of her. It's because of just for whatever reason the writing got better, you know, around that time. Never mind the, the di- fact that if they had stayed with the original premise, it would have been awesome. But yeah, yeah. the uh, the dynamic on the ship of bringing in the Seven of Nine character, uh, regardless of who would have played that character, uh, really, um, I think it really mixed uh, things up in a way that that gave the writers challenges to really chew on. Um, where before it was, oh, we've got these guys and we've got those guys, and maybe they don't like each other, but they've got to work together, and okay. So something in the back of my brain, it seems I remember that uh, the actress Seven of Nine, or of Seven of Nine, did not at all get along with Kate Mulgrew, I think. Oh, really? I kind of remember something that there was some, some real tension on the set between her and some other cast member. I think I, th- I think that's right because you know they obviously uh, like put her in there you know for I don't know the just the TNA effect yeah. and um to sex it up you know and uh, Jerry Ryan okay yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. so she you know Katie Mulger kind of resisted that I do know what I find fascinating is if you Google like whatever jerry jerry ryan and president obama if it wasn't for jerry ryan's husband uh being a horny a horny motherfucker there would have never been a president obama because he was a representative in illinois and got uh caught oh wow like seeking out like a threesome or whatever and uh had to resign so barack obama came into that position and there you go so i'm i'm reading a little thing here uh mulgrew directed her ire towards jerry ryan because i think that she was feeling like well i'm you know i don't have the i don't have the assets to like you know to draw viewership and so when they brought jerry ryan in she kind of uh, felt felt it to be uh, a little bit of a challenge to her so I, I mean, yeah, I could see it. I mean, other than that, like you know, Jane Way is a really interesting character. She drinks coffee, not tea, you know. And there's some other stuff. And she's entirely prepared to commit war crimes to get the crew home. Oh yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> so there's like you know the first season, which produces a lot of high concept things, like oh my god, we just fired a proton torpedo. F- sorry, fo- is it it's proton or photon? Photon. Uh, Proton is Star Wars. Okay. So Photon Torpedo, we yeah. only have like 99 of those left. How do we get more? So that was fantastic. And then like the la- from 7 of 9 to the end was good because just the writing improved. The stories are better. Year of Hell is in there, you yeah. know, and all the stuff. So anyway, uh, on to anything else for watching. Oh, uh, well, so, well, somebody's watching Supernatural. Well, right? uh, in my imagination, I'm watching Supernatural. I think a lot about the the series finale. Okay. Um, uh, because because I do because I think it was effective, and when it came out, there was a lot of um, you don't kill 
main character in such a um, offhanded way. And I, I just I enjoy watching that thing go back and forth as people talk about it. And every once in a while, I will try to stir the pot and see if anybody has anything additional to say about it. I recently came across uh, this idea that Chuck won. And uh, it was kind of difficult to read because of the way that the original poster, the Internet tool that they used, uh, made it a little bit difficult for me to read. But basically, it was this very intricate argument that Chuck was a stand in for the creative team at that point in the story and their struggles with the uh, the executives at the network and how oh. the uh, the executive team was writing Chuck to take out their frustrations with executive meddling. Hmm. Um, and uh, I think when I when I read that, I thought that's very that's very intricate. Um, when the the question of do you kill a major character in such an ignominious fashion was addressed directly on screen when it was pointed mm-hmm. out that the reason that they had survived all of the stuff that they had survived is because they had plot armor in the form of Chuck. Um, <laughs> Chuck was there inside the story making sure that they were okay because, as he said in one of the nearly final episodes two or three episodes from the beginning he was like you guys are my favorite winchester brothers of all the winchester brothers all across space and time you guys are my favorite and so he was always there to protect them and then when he wasn't there to protect them anymore um the fact that what they do is ridiculously dangerous caught up with them because that's what happens when you're a monster hunter in the supernatural world well, yeah, they, I love there's a great line that they mentioned in there. Uh, it's kind of an offhand line, but it's. Um, all right. What's going on? What, power washing something? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it really picked up. Yeah, it, it really did. It really did pick <laughs> up. It's like, I'm sorry. Shannon is pa- yeah. decided to power wash his patio during on. this podcast. Hang on, Ah, it's fine. <laughs> my it's entertaining. It really is. But, uh... well, I, I went on vacation last week. Yes. Shannon, is Shannon on mute? Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, Roy, tell me about your vacation. Where okay. did you go? So I went to I went to Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, sampled some bourbon, and I saw how baseball bats were made, which that was pretty cool. I thought they um, were made in oh, wait oh yeah Louisville Slugger that's right yeah yeah yep so uh, on my way down there though I stopped off in Columbus Indiana which is just south of Indianapolis and uh, Columbus Indiana is a fairly small town but it has three uh, game stores uh, one of which was a place called Board Games which is in a little strip mall uh, very nicely attired. So when I go on vacation, I like to like tour game stores just just basically just to kind of see, you know, how the other half lives. Same. Um, and uh, I, it was quite lovely. They had uh, some uh, not a very big store, but they had some open gaming space. So probably about a little more than half of their uh, retail space was was just game tables. Uh, 
And uh, I, I picked up a game there called uh, Here to Slay, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, but uh, another town that I went through, there. so also in Columbus was a town called Castle Games. And they had another branch because they had Pokemon cards, and my daughter was interested in Pokemon cards. They had another store in Seymour, Indiana. So we went to Seymour, Indiana, which is even farther south from Columbus, maybe about 40 minutes. And uh, unbeknownst to us, Seymour, Indiana is the hometown of John Cougar Mellencamp. So we're driving down down Main Street, and there's a gigantic like three-story mural of of John Cougar wearing his FFA jacket uh, on the side of a building. All right. So, well, were there any little pink houses in that town, Roy? Uh, you know, I did not look real close. Uh, okay. But like, you could see that his influence was all over the place. There was this mural. The bike racks were musical notes, and um, it was kind of cool to see that this was a town that. I mean, you know, who the hell's going to go to Seymour, Indiana, um, and and make a mecca there? Not very many people. But uh, you know, if you, if if uh, if Johnny Cougar's from there, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go see the small town that he sang about. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool in Seymour, Indiana. Did you get a chili dog? No. Damn it. I lost all kinds of stuff. I, I should have got a chili dog outside the Tasty Freeze. Behind the Tasty Freeze, yes. Behind well, okay. That's where you go to suck on it. Uh, God, that was such a weird <laughs> fucking line. To, yeah, for the first time I heard it till now. It's a weird fucking line. Ugh, anyway. <laughs> I'm going to talk now about the game that I played in Columbus, Indiana, and I actually I, I liked it enough to pick it up, and it's called Here to Slay. And uh, it's from the same folks that do was it Unstable Unicorns. Um, so it's very cartoony uh, artwork, and it's kind of it really reminds me of Munchkin, but not so much. So if you know <laughs> Munchkin, it can kind of. Do you guys know Munchkin? Yeah, I do not. I I'm familiar okay. with it. I played it a couple of times, but yeah, not my thing. It's a game. It's a sort of game that just like you get to like level eight or nine, and then it just starts to drag because you everybody's you know you have a, a target on your back. Everybody's after you. So here to slay. You have a party leader, and it plays up to six. Um, you have a party leader, and you um, roll two dice and try to kill the monsters. So you can recruit other heroes to your um, to your party. Each party leader has a special ability, and each monster has a special ability. If you can kill the monster, you get to add it to your party, and you get its effect. So basically, it's a very short game. You play, uh, if you kill three monsters, you win, or if you have six of each, or if you have six party members of different uh, uh, classes, so is it like bard, protector, fighter, uh, magic user, and thief, and ranger is the last one. If you can collect all those six in your party, then you've won that one, or won, won that way. Um, so it's very light. It's um, it's very much a take that sort of thing. So um, if somebody tries to go up and, and go after a monster, you can play a modifier on it and you know, adjust the roll up or down, depending on whether it benefits you or not. So it's it's take that. It's uh, very cute artwork, lighthearted stuff. So that's Here to Slay that I played and uh, have a copy of now. And let's see. Also on vacation, I played a game called Burger Joint, 
which I picked up a long time ago. And it's basically it's um, it's a two player game where one side is uh, developing pizza joints and one side is developing burger joints. And so you build you collect the, the raw resources and you build, uh, you know, burger stands or, uh, you know, upscale restaurants. And it's you're just achieving points. You can you can send out ads. So you put out ads and that kind of boosts your points up. Um, so that's a burger joint. And then finally, another game that I played is called Dutch Blitz. Are you guys familiar with Dutch Blitz? No. It's a it's a very old game. Um, so if you know the game Peanuts or Nerds, I think so, where yeah. you have it's kind of uh, it's it's multiplayer solitaire. Okay. So Dutch Blitz is just kind of a a Dutch themed version of of uh, Peanuts. So it's a speed game where you have a tableau of uh, four or five cars, and then you have a stack, a foundation stack that you're trying to clear out. And so you you flip through it solitaire style, and every time you get an ace or a one, in the case of Dutch Blitz, it goes out in the in the the common area, uh, and anybody can play on an ace, and you go up by suit, but then in your tableau you go in descending order, uh, and so in Dutch Blitz it's boy girl, or in Peanuts it's red cards black cards, so just like solitaire, and basically you're trying to clear out your your stack. And once you get to that point, um, you know, you shout peanuts or blitz or nerds or whatever. Uh, so it's very much a speed game. And my wife just kicks my ass every time I play it. <laughs> um, so it's it's uh, it's a good. I don't know when you're all hopped up on caffeine or maybe drunk off your ass to play Dutch blitz <laughs> or um, or nerds. Nice. OK. That's what I've been up to. Oh, wait. I want to talk about one more thing. Uh, I am... So next Tuesday, we're, we're, we're recording on Easter Sunday. So not this coming Tuesday, but the next Tuesday, or sorry, not next Wednesday, uh, I will be running my first session of uh, Dungeons & Dragons campaign in the Scarred Lands. So the Scarred Lands were developed back in the third edition days um, under the OGL. And uh, it's a setting that was put out by White Wolf Games. So if you're familiar with White Wolf, that's that's uh, Vampire the Masquerade, that's uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse, all those Monster the Blank games. Um, so uh, <laughs> the Scarred Lands is a post-apocalyptic fantasy world that's set... A uh, century and a half after this continent-destroying war between the elemental titans and the gods, um, and so it's kind of it's I've heard it referred to as uh, heavy metal D and D. Um, so I'm I'm I have the uh, after third edition, um, and then went to. Uh, uh, fifth edition, of course, White Wolf folded, and there's a company called Onyx Path that uh, picked up the license for it. So I am starting to run the the adventure path called Dead Man's Rust. Um, so that'll be happening in about two weeks. 
and I'm looking forward to that. Nice. All right, so if it does the D20 system, is that like the Pathfinder system? No, it's 5th edition. It is 5th, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Myself, I continue to take my characters through my my group through this Mouse Ritter campaign. I love it. I love the simplicity of it. Of the Mm -hmm. yeah, it's we made it. Me and them have made it like really, really uh, entertaining. And every single uh, week, I. And reminded that the Mouse Ritter uh, campaign collection, the estate, uh, I think it's like 50 bucks from like Exalted Funeral or so. It is such an incredible value. You know, there's so many uh, little adventures in it. I get a good week's worth of content out of it each time. So, Uh, yeah, it's just really good. And every time I keep coming up with like uh, other things like you could do like i already thought about doing like a world war ii mouse ritter kind of an escape from Colditz type thing <laughs> but uh last time it was like what if we did a mouse ritter um adventure in a chuck e cheese you know <laughs> how, can, how can we change that it would be like you know obviously he's like this godlike deity or is it is he like a king kong type you know Right. Uh, thing that appears and they have to sacrifice stuff to it. You know, a lot of things there. Man, I hope I do something with that one day. Anyway. So as I recall, when we talked about this before, it was kind of, it did not necessarily need to be set in a fantasy setting. No. Okay. Because like in the rule book, your first clue is like mice use electricity. Right. Okay. In, in, you right. know, in some things. So with that, you know, you could te- you could set it whenever. I mean, by and large, oh, actually, my characters in a uh, thing recently found some gunpowder, and so they were like, "Wait, are, are we getting guns in this?" I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, I freaking hope so," but you know, I mean, you guys barely have a bow. You don't. I don't even think you guys have a crossbow, you know, in here. But um, yeah, it'd be awesome to have like little. Uh, gunpowder guns like anyway (laughs) what about a setting on a uh um age of sail privateer yeah sure i mean that would be cool to actually set it on a ship that would be really smart to do something neat you know whereas i'm I'm thinking about the trope of rats leaving a sinking ship yeah you know anything like that is just so cool but yeah uh we continue to enjoy it and it's great so awesome uh here at Chance of Gaming, we are sponsored by Ultra Dementia, and I'll have that link in the show notes because it's spelled weird, where they can 3D print you mice or whatever you might need, and you could use the discount code COG2019. Golly, almost five years old, um, to save 20% off your order. So there you go. So uh, trying to get these uh, episodes more focused um We've been reviewing, talking about things. So uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the Star Trek adventures. And the reason why is, I don't know, kind of got hyper-focused on it lately and decided, well, you know, I kind of want to run this at uh, some point. Um, Were you guys familiar with it at all? I was not. Um, But as I was reading it, I found myself thinking I would enjoy playing a character. 
in this version of this world. It's published by Modifius, and uh, the PDF I legally obtained really did. Um, I found it in an old Humble Bundle, so it was nice. I always, anytime I go to buy into something like that, I'm like, wait, was there a bundle for this? Let me go check. So, <laughs> uh, my PDF dates from 2017, and uh, so. That's where I'm at with it. I kind of casually looked around for what it is now, and there are some simpler versions of the rule book, including a digest that takes out all the lore. Oh. And so it is just rules. So I'm like, eh, that's actually kind of attractive because nine times out of ten, that's all OSR is, is a, you know, it's, it's just a rule book. Right. But, um, yeah. It reminded me of a similar game I played um, at uh, that Ulysses game, whatever. Uh, it, was, it starts with a U. No, nope, sorry. It's published by Ulysses Spiel. It's Torg Eternity. The uh, use of two D20s in it reminded me a little bit of that. So. Oh, okay. So, I mean, rule-wise, uh, okay, first of all, if you don't know anything about Star Trek, I really appreciate that if you bought this rule book, you would learn a lot. Because um, it had me with a lot of things going, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Or, you know, what was that? You know, I didn't know. Right, right. It was nice that they pulled in those kinds of details, especially in things like the uh, the examples of play. Yes, uh, the artwork also is fantastic. Right. You know like it a lot uh it's a game that needs of course if you're going to run it it you need a d20 2d20 and a d6 and you need an additional d6 for each player i think is how it was described what did you think of the mechanics of how like you do i it took me a bit to uh, wrap my brain around it because there were a few moving pieces um, and the version of the PDF I have from 2018, uh, I felt like it left me in a couple of gap moments for character generation. Um, not, a, not enough that it would prevent using what you've got to get standing, but you couldn't play for very long before you start to wonder, uh, what's this thing on the character sheet mean that doesn't get referenced at all in the startup guide? Hmm. Um, but... Um, I liked, I liked the idea. I felt very Star Trek-y to, um, use, uh, excuse me, to use, um, disciplines and attributes together and then to also allow for character focuses. Uh, and that felt like a, a good way to handle character differentiation and also to, um, give challenge roles uh their each their own unique flavor like oh i'm not always going to be you know, picking a lock um the gm is there to say okay here's a here's a challenge here's a thing you want to do it involves this ability and this time it involves this discipline and you can step up and say well my character also has this focus and pulling all of those things together and then doing the role uh, with your with your die pool really it, it felt like this is star trek without having to come up with a, a you know a 20 page list of 
uh, skills. Yeah, it, it did. It felt it felt like I'm going to play this game, and this game is going to help me play Star Trek Adventures. I mean, I really appreciated that the breakdown the way they did, and I like it doing that kind of thing. Makes it reminds me of Mouse Ritter in the sense with Mouse Ritter, it's supposed to be you only roll dice as a last resort because you're supposed to i'm the dm i'm running this and i'm i tell you the obstacle and it's on you to tell me how to get around it and if you're convincing enough then there's no need to roll anything right so i like you know with that but with this it specifically gives because it's uh like reason like uh, i think in the example it's like reason plus medicine plus specialization and she's rolling 2d20 and she had to meet it is uh, it's a roll under system because you're adding together yes roll, uh, yes, roll under because it's yeah sorry yeah i always have to think because i swear to you every other uh company does it differently yeah well it, it feels so good to roll high and win uh, that when you when you come up with a a system where um, actually you want to roll a low number because you're adding together, you know, you're like, oh, it, it, it's a conflict because you feel good when your skill levels are high and you feel good when you roll a high die, but it's really difficult to combine high skill levels with high die rolls. Yeah, I. I love also the, that reminds me also of the way of the uh, the traits for advantages and then the compilation for disadvantages. So, right. Yeah, it's I dig that. But I also wonder it made me think, like, how unwieldy is this? Like in every single thing or we're going to have to stop and you tell me, like, name off four different uh, numbers and then I respond with you know, two different negatives and we arrive at a single number that I have to roll. Then I roll two dice to see if I do it. It just seems like it or would be more. Yeah. Uh, and it, you can buy dice. It, oh yes. Uh, I forgot. That's the other thing. It's like, uh, these challenges that you roll, it's well, how challenging are they? If you roll really, really well on something that's challenging, you get basically another dice that you can bank for a future uh, role, or you can use it as, again, I go back to um, the Torg as a, uh, a boon, you know, which would give you a plus whatever when you're trying to do a check. So, Right. This game's got um, the momentum uh, resource. Uh, okay. So Spending your earn. And so when I came to that, I felt like, oh, this is going to be a game where there's a lot of dice rolling. Because you can earn momentum with successful dice rolls, and you use momentum to improve your odds. And so that felt like, you know, with a mechanic like that, that's an economy that you're going to want to use as a character. And so when I hit, when I came to that part, I say hit, when I came to that part, that's when I realized, oh, I would want to play this game as a character because I would want to play under a game master who's got some facility with what's going on. Like you say, how, how intricate are these dice rolls? Um, and let, you know, let the game master tell me what I need to do to succeed. And then I can do 
the math and roll the dice, but I'm not going to really know going into it. Oh, this is a situation where I need to use my, my, uh, con discipline with my, uh, fitness attribute, right? The game master set up the scenario. So the game master needs to know. Sure. And I I was going to say, I think of that mechanic as it's like a bankable exploding dice. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can either you can either use it right then to roll again, or you could bank it to roll later. So right, you know. Um, and then there was another resource called determination, um, which was similar, but is based on a characteristic on your character sheet called values. But values aren't explained, and although you, it explains how to spend determination, it, I couldn't find a place where it explained how determination recovers or or you earn determination points back. Um, and so I felt like, you know, this is a book that's going to get you going, but it's it's uh, it's not going to get you real far. Hmm. Which, I mean, uh, I do appreciate the extra whatever they have with this, like the Klingon starters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Another thing I really liked about this, because in getting into it, I was like, you know, oh, man, this seems so cool. But. I kind of want to play low tech. So like the, the, you know, original enterprise era. So what mm-hmm. would that be? And you look at it and I love how they did like a type two phaser is a type two phaser, no matter when it is, it's just as how ha- is it available? You know? Okay. So yeah, the, the super fancy plasma badass phaser 9,000 isn't available you know back in the 1950s it's right. only available in the 1990s when picard was running around or you know whatever right so right I, I like that you know one of the things i noticed when i was poking around on the modifius site um, was that they had uh, some character sheets on there and one of them is the original series character sheet and it's got starship stuff and it looks it's all bright and blue and gold and and red um just i've liked that attention to oh you can play in the classic era you can play in the next generation era um what i noticed on the copyright of this document was that it came out right after discovery came out um, and so conceivably there could have been, um, discovery era, like slightly before the original series. There are. Era, the, okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, there are, there is a discovery, uh, book. It's okay. just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, cause again, I think we talked about there being like multiple, uh, rule books for this, like this, what we're reviewing is basically the main one. They stripped down. Uh, version that you know doesn't have all the uh, lore and whatnot in it i want to say includes like any extra rules that came in through discovery or whatever but again it's it's not like they introduced new tech it's just they call you know it counts as this other thing that has already been in this game like you know there's always been a type four phaser you just couldn't get it in the 1950s or the 1990s. So we only right. have it here in Discovery, blah, blah, blah. So whatever. 
Which, anyway, I am a little sad that got canceled. That was like my OG return to Star Trek. You know? Discovery? Um, yes. I I kind of just went into it kind of blind. I At that point, I had not seen all the negative press online. And um, I just watched it, and I liked it. I still do. Uh, I mean, like like every Star Trek, it has hit or miss seasons. And uh, yeah, right. but it's just now ending. But man, got, let's see. How it, it made some got? it made some folks mad. They made a black female the lead of the show, and that just made some folks mad. As it will, and ding dongs. Yeah. So anyway, I guess we got way off track. Um, I'm actually wanting to do this to actually play this, you know, game, and that's part of the reason why I kind of. <laughs> did it as the assignment that did Roy turn in this assignment? Uh, I don't think he did, uh, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, at, you know, in you know, in modern, um, teaching, I just go into power school and I reopen the assignment and you can just turn it in right before you graduate. That's all that matters. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I actually want to play this because I, I'm a way, way bigger Star Trek dork than I am a Star Wars dork. You know, I've always been I've always liked Star Trek better because there was simply more material at that time in my life. I, okay. I, was, I was born. <laughs> yes, I was born in 1976. So like growing up, you know. I, I mean, one of my Star Wars claim, you know, nerd uh, rep thing is I saw Return of the Jedi in the theater. I have vivid memories of that, of my brother and I going to see it and, you know, everything. And that was that was the thing. And also, like, I was working at a movie theater when episode one came out. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> that's what. I think killed Star Wars for me. But yes, all that to say is I like Star Trek better because there were more, there were more, there were television shows for God's sake. They, Star Wars didn't have any at that time. There were way more novels and whatnot and just, yeah, but yeah. So all that to say, I want to run this, you know, eventually with my little group, uh, we'll just pack up a bunch of D twenties and, um, D sixes. We should be fine. Should be in good um, shape. Yeah. And uh, look, it is. They've been putting it out since what is, uh, at least five years now. I think yeah. my copyright was 2017, I think. And let me look. I'll flip over my page here. Yes, 2017. So it's 2023. So six years at least now they've been cranking out stuff. And I've been really impressed. Like I said, they have Discovery setting. Uh, they have a uh, lower decks setting, which I believe is coming. <laughs> uh, it's included, and uh, which that's actually coming to um, Star Trek Attack Wing, lower decks, which they did a animated series thing that I bought, just because you know love Star Trek, wanted to do the got rid of my X Wing, wanted to do Star Trek, so there you go. So <laughs> eh, anyway. Moving on to actual what's on your radar in this abbreviated show. Um, there, I just thought this was ridiculous. There is a limited edition RPG-inspired 
pencil called the Blackwing 20. Guess how many 30 of them cost? Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Guess how, many, uh, guess how many a dozen cost? 20 bucks. Was it a dozen? A okay. dozen for 30 bucks. 30 bucks. Whew. Yeah. And basically, I mean, for the love of God, it's a pencil with an eraser, but it has an end that it ha is this raised it's like a d6 so you could roll this pencil if you wanted to you know if somebody wanted to like make their own version of this maybe like in a cad software and then they could have it 3d printed by somebody maybe like by mike at over at ultradimension.com yeah sure make yeah. you that uh one of these plastic caps that is a D6. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. For sure. Uh, I think that would For be a, a hell thing. of a lot less than 30 bucks. I mean, it wouldn't be a pencil, though. Well, that you also that's you get 12 of them, but also they're disposable. Okay, yeah. But yeah, anyway, uh -huh. whatever. Ah, <laughs> moving on. I discovered Centurion Battles in the Horus Heresy. And when I click on it, I see a lot of copyright violation. And it's basically they're writing rules to play 30K in 6mm. Now, they're not saying anything about Warhammer. Again, just all the artwork, and in, that's in my opinion, all the artwork is a copyright violation. Well, is oh, it yeah. Horus uh, Heresy? Well, yes. Okay. Also, for the love of God, click on Legions, and you see the icons there every goddamn one of those is a uh co gw copyright image but you know uh, not that i care by all means please rip them off it's it's they're the billionaires <laughs> of the tabletop world i am not saying that i'll give a shit but um i just wanted to point it out because they didn't seem to mention it just, <laughs> it's like, right there at the bottom of the page yeah it's just a <laughs> What, all right, in um, oh, non-profit, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it in? Um, I don't. I, I again, I'm not a lawyer, but I don't think that's going to help you. Um, <laughs> what was it in, in Arrested Development? Oh, the light treason. This is just light copyright infringement. <laughs> so, got. Uh, moving on. Gale Force Nine has a, a bunch of people sent me this. Apparently, it debuted at Adepticon. Their Hextech Battlefield in a box is just like really cool, and it's apparently designed. I mean, okay, let's let's not beat around the bush. Uh, this was designed for BattleTech. For the love of God, Hextech uses the same font as BattleTech. So uh -huh. uh, yeah, and uh, this is some <laughs> nice stuff for them. Nice futuristic uh city stuff they have for that so so yeah, it's for a, a one inch uh hex grid uh yes yeah, 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 yeah. if if you okay. know if and i guess I, I guess i haven't talked about the last battletech kickstarter that's on the mercenaries thing and again i mean if you're an anytime listener here you know how i feel about kickstarter and how i'm annoyed mm -hmm. by catalyst and how uh the people that back their last kickstarter got their product after people on miniature market got theirs at a discount so there you go so i'm actually proud to see in this current campaign for the battletech mercenaries kickstarter um pushback people are going wait this isn't a deal 
this is just a pre-order. And I'm like, yes, what the fuck do you think um, Kickstarter is? But anyway. So. But they say it's not a pre-order. <clears throat> No, no, yeah, that's the thing. Oh my God! Never mind the fact that, like, I, okay, I, you know, as much as I hate Kickstarter, I occasionally back them. Thank God, most of them are small indie RPGs. But every now and then, I end up backing something I shouldn't, and that would be the Monster Apocalypse uh, Kickstarter. <laughs> and oh, what a fucking shit show it's turned into with the last update. It's literally turned into that. Okay, guys. So we're going to take the money you gave us to make this game, and instead we're going to pay for the other two Kickstarters that we had that we still haven't fulfilled. Then, if we're lucky and have some money left over, we'll pay for this one. Isn't that definitionally a Ponzi scheme? I don't know. It's it's so weird. <laughs> I, I swear to God, eventually there will, the Kickstarter will end up in the Supreme Court. Because it's, it's so weird and flaky and all this stuff like, all right, uh, like the big thing like with us is, you know, people are like, I want my money back. And they're like, well, they, they don't have to give you a refund. It's literally in the thing you click on. It's not a pre-order. It's not this. It's not that. And you may never get this. So, yeah. But anyway, um uh and uh my close personal friend over at collins epic war games they are doing a major website and store update i'm just gonna toss that on here i reviewed polyversal i heard it was really big at uh adepticon this past um week or two ish this past between episodes that's all i know that's it it's just when we did that so and um yeah anyway it's they got a big update go check it out so i suppose that brings us to the end of this episode and uh we're glad to be back after a little bit and yeah we'll just keep going got about two weeks left i'm almost down to summer and uh yeah so there you oh, go oh yeah it was glorious day today and yesterday around here yeah it's about 60 down here uh, well same actually Hmm. Weird. Of course, you know, oh. we had all our tornadoes and stuff, too. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, recently. Yeah. But anyway. All right. So I guess that's it. So we'll all say good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Jinx.